folks. Thanks for joining us for episode 16 of the Dine Sports YouTube page and podcast network. Today we're going to be talking all things golf and we've got a phenomenal guest uh, to joining us today to walk us through what it's like to play at the collegiate level and um, you know also competing in local uh, high level amateur tournaments and all of that as well too. Sheila McKean is a graduate of the uh, professional golf management program at Humber College. And while she was there she was actually uh, captain of the women's golf team and uh, was fortunate enough to uh, actually capture both a provincial and a uh, national title while uh, she was out at uh, Humber there. So definitely some cool experiences there. And um, since she's uh, finished her schooling, she has now uh, begun working at the Ottawa Hunt Club and competes uh, locally as well too. And you know, one of her home courses there is uh, the Royal Auto, which is a beautiful golf course right here in the nation's capital. And she is actually the uh, six years in a row running women's champion for the uh, club, which is no small feat because um, at that kind of club and facility they, they've got some phenomenal golfers there so it's not uh, you know not just some weekend warriors she's beating out for that and to be able to have that kind of sustained success for so long is uh, it's pretty pretty impressive so we sit down with her and sort of unpack uh, how she got started and where she sees the game going and uh, all all that and more so uh, hope you guys had a great Canada day and enjoy this episode <laughs> Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Dine Sports YouTube page and podcast network. Joining me today, we have Sheila McKean. Sheila, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Thanks for having me. Anytime. We're happy to have you. Uh, I mean, you, you've had a pretty extensive golf career, so let, let, let's start at the very beginning here, at, at a young age. So you started playing at age 10 or, or somewhere yep. around there. Around there, yeah. Yeah, so uh, who was it that first introduced you to the sport of golf, and how did you sort of first get involved? Yeah, so um, my grandfather was a golfer, um, and he got my mom into the game at a young age, kind of like the way I started. And um, so my mom ultimately got me involved with her dad, and they were they were longtime members over at the Royal Ottawa Golf Club. And so... Um, they kind of got me into junior clinics and, and all that kind of thing. But uh, like I started doing all the like day camps and sports camps and everything. So I kind of just kept going with the golf side of things. So it was yeah about, about 10 years old and I joined the Royal um, when I was about 10 years old as well. So, uh, and I've been there ever since, which is, which is nice. Right on, right on. So, you know, obviously when you're first trying out a sport, you know, you, you probably grew up playing all sorts of different sports as well too, right? So uh, around what age would you say that golf started becoming more of a primary focus for you and you started really training to not only just have fun, but training to compete in that? Mm -hmm. So growing up, I didn't compete too, too much. Um, I always went away to um, summer overnight camp when I was a kid. So I was golfing in the spring and the fall and then heading to camp for the summer. But I, I played in like junior tournaments a little bit um, and club events over at the Royal. Um, but it wasn't until I stopped going to camp where I actually really got into competing. Um, so I'd say not until I was about 20 um, was when I started competing. And then I kind of just got like hooked. I, um, like I, it was, I was, I've always been a really competitive person. Like I grew up playing hockey and soccer and, and uh, baseball. So when I was younger, um, even around the time that I was going to summer camps, 
I was still playing soccer during the summers. So um, my mom ultimately, my mom and dad said, you know, you have to make a decision here. You can't play baseball, soccer and golf. Um, what, what is it that you really want to do? So, and uh, so I picked, I picked golf ultimately. Um, and then when I was, you know, around 13 or so, I was getting pretty good at golf and, and my parents, they had that talk with me, like, do you want to play golf or do you want to go to camp? And then that was a tough decision. Um, cause I loved going to summer camp. Um, and I was like, you know, I can play golf my entire life, but I can't go to camp my entire life. So I kind of golf took a little bit of a pause cause I would end up, I ended up being staff at the summer camp and going for, you know, two, three months at a time. But again, when I come home, I golf constantly. So got my fix in. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah. And, and so, you know, you, you touched on it there. You grew up playing a lot of team sports, right? So mm-hmm. you know, baseball, soccer, all, all that there. What, what was it like sort of transitioning when you did decide to start competing, you know, going from mm-hmm. that team sport environment to, you know, a, an individual sport like golf? Yeah. So, um, I think what I like most about golf is that it is individual. So, it's all everything you do is is yourself you're not relying on you know unless you have a caddy but um you're kind of it's your it's yourself right um so i love going out there by myself if it's like you know after work five o'clock hitting golf balls alone you know playing quickly by yourself kind of it's a nice relaxing time for me um and again if i play bad it's my fault i don't i can't blame anybody else on it and so i know that I, I can work on the things that uh, that I need to work on myself, right? Yeah. But again, I love team sports. I like, you know, I still play some, you know, rec soccer leagues and stuff like that. So I fix in with, with team sports that way. And at work, you know, we work in a team everywhere in the workplace, right? So I get that fix in there. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I mean, for those that are, are listening right now, it's nice to hear some people say that golf is relaxing, because for a lot of people, it, it can be a pretty frustrating sport as well, too, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, it's, I like what sometimes I, I race over from from work to the golf club, you know, sit in traffic for 45 minutes to an hour, not during COVID, obviously, this was last summer. Um, and I'd be so stressed. And I'm like, oh, I don't know if I should play golf today. But like, I'm just feeling horrible. And then I get to to the golf club I like hit a golf ball and I'm just like oh this is my this is my happy place yeah relax (laughs) (laughs) nice nice so uh school-wise you know you you actually started out you went to Acadia University ended up graduating from there uh with a degree Mm -hmm. in kinesiology but then you actually made the decision to go back to school so then you re-enrolled at Humber College for their professional golf Mm -hmm. management program what was it that made you sort of decide to go back to school for that that sort of second diploma or degree there? Yeah, so yeah, um, I'll go back to Acadia there. I, like, playing sports was my favorite thing in high school, right? And when they were like, oh, you go to university, pick something you want to study. So obviously I love sports, so kinesiology was it. Um, so graduated in 2012, um, and I worked as a kinesiologist for a while ultimately with the goal of um being a physiotherapist and um which is what most like you know jocks want to do right <laughs> so um worked in that field for a few years and then realized that it wasn't for me 
So I, um, and again, while doing this, like golfing constantly and uh, competing a little bit in like the Ottawa Valley tournaments, like the OVGA stuff, Ottawa Valley Golf Association um, through the Royal um, and realizing that I was just getting better and better at golf um, without too much coaching. Like I never really had that much consistent coaching for, I had just kind of worked on it myself. Um, so then I decided that I would go traveling for a little bit. My boyfriend at the time, now fiance, he um, was studying uh, in Ireland. He was going to school there. So I decided to move to Ireland and which is awesome for golf. Yeah. <laughs> um, so got to play some golf, um, was planning on staying there years and um, couldn't find a good job. Um, couldn't pay for all the golf that I wanted to play, that kind of stuff. So um, I had to make a decision on like, what was I going to do if I went back home? Don't want to be a physiotherapist, like not sure what kind of job will be there for me when I go home. So it's like, I should probably go back to school. And then um, this professional golf management program has kind of always been in the back of my mind. Um, Cause it's a business um, diploma, an advanced diploma. And so it's a business administration program. So I said, you know, the good thing to do would be, you know, if I go back to school, do some business stuff. Um, and then at the same time, you can specialize in golf, which will kind of lead the path to becoming a golf pro as well. So that was just a cool idea at the time. And I was like, maybe I should go for it. So got in, you can do it right out of high school. So it's pretty easy to get in. Um, and so I moved back home and went to Humber that fall, moved to Toronto and uh, it was great. Yeah. And the rest is history, as they say. Yeah, the rest is history. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I mean, you know, one of the things that athletes are hearing all the time, too, especially those that want to play at whether the collegiate level, the university level, or down south mm -hmm. in the States or whatever, is always making sure that, you know, you find a school that's a good fit for you. Right. Mm -hmm. And so you, you actually experienced both things, right? So you, you did four mm -hmm. years at a university and then you actually did the collegiate level as well too. Yep. So, so for those athletes who are trying to decide, you know, what path do I take? Do I go, you know, OCAA? Do I go uh, U sports? Or do I go NCAA? What were some of the sort of differences that you notice both in terms of, you know, campus lifestyle, classroom sizes, you know, what, what, what was your experience between university versus college? Mm -hmm. So um, when I was at Acadia, I didn't, they didn't have a golf team. So I didn't play golf for them at all. But Acadia being a really small school, um, it was great for class sizes. I actually played a little bit of, um, it wasn't a varsity team. It was, I guess, a rec team of uh, field hockey when I was there for a little bit which was really fun. But um, I know that with small universities, I had a lot of friends who were on varsity teams there. Studying kinesiology, you kind of like surround yourself with all the varsity athletes there. Um, it was a great place to be a varsity athlete. Being a small school, like you get to know, you know, all of your peers, um, like so many students go out to all the big games, that kind of thing. So it's a really fun, great community for athletes. Um, I know every school has different funding for their sports or their athletics departments, but I think Acadia was pretty good. They had, they had really great, uh, like football programs, that kind of thing. But, um, I know that 
you know, the students, it can be a hard, you know, um, balance between getting your schoolwork done, getting good grades so you can stay on the team, that kind of thing, showing up to practice, workouts, all that. So I know that, um, like, there was, there was so much support for every athlete in regards to that. Um, so that was good. Now, going to Humber and being a, a, an athlete there was awesome. I can't really, I don't know what it was like to be an athlete at Acadia. I just, being around them, I got that idea. But yeah. um, like Humber is, their athletics program is huge and they have like some of the best teams in the country. Like their basketball is really great, volleyball, everything. The golf teams have been really good. Like for, for years, they're known for having one of the best men's golf team. They won the like national championships 10 years in a row, something like that. So um, there was a ton of support for the golf teams, which was great. And the athletics director there used to be the um, program coordinator for the golf management program. So he was really good for the golf team. Um, but again, like you get great coaches and there's so much support helping with that, you know, um, sport workload. At, at school making sure you can get all your work done because you have to maintain a certain GPA to be able to compete that kind of thing so um I mean I think it opened up a lot of doors for me and um, professionally as well um just knowing making so many connections through different teams and uh knowing like the athletics department that kind of thing um golf is much bigger in Toronto than it is or like the GTA than it is in Ottawa so I got to know a lot of um golf industry professionals through Humber um which really helps like like you could get a job anywhere in the GTA if you just kind of are personable and can have a conversation with someone which is really nice so yeah. that's a good a good part of doing that um and I know that in in the states it's tough for especially if you're Canadian and you want to go down there on a scholarship for golf that kind of thing um I know it's for every sport it's like this, but if you kind of, if you get an injury, they can drop you in a second, right? I know that at Humber, you know, there's great resources for you. If you do have an injury, they do rehab and all that stuff. They try and keep you, keep you in there. They give you a lot of free services and it's really great. I loved it there. Nice, nice. So you, you, mm -hmm. again, you got best of both worlds there yeah. in, in terms of your experience then. Mm -hmm. Right mm -hmm. on. So, I mean, you know, sticking with Humber, so you, you ended up being not only on the golf team, but you were actually captain of the women's golf team there. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Had quite a bit of success as well, too, right? You won national championship, provincial yeah. championship, um, yeah. you know, all sorts of accolades there. You know, mm -hmm. what, what goes into building a, a, a successful golf team when it's such an individual sport like golf there? Like what, what are yeah. some of the things that you, you sort of need to make mesh so that you guys do have team success rather than just, Oh, well, one person shot really well and the other, you know, the rest of the team uh, didn't even make the cut type thing. Yeah. It's about like, a, it's kind of lame to say, but like team synergy, right. Um, <laughs> It's important to, you know, be close with your team. The, like women's golf teams are only four people, right? Um, the men's team is bigger, but we had, we had at the most four girls. So, um, I mean, showing up to practice together, going and doing your workouts together, that kind of thing. We would, you know, hang out outside of, of school as well, just to make sure that we can 
I don't know, keep the good vibes going on and off the golf course, right? So, um, and again, helping if, like we had uh, one of the girls on the team sometimes would, you know, struggle with her academics. So we would make sure she knew that she had the support and that kind of thing. Um, but again, it's all about creating that on and off the golf course relationship. But uh, it is tough, like being, with it being an individual sport, but it's good at the same time. Like you can, and in these tournaments too, they take team scores and individual scores. So you can make it an individual type of, of tournament for yourself. And then if you're not playing so well one day, but the rest of your team is, you can still, you know, come out with a win. So yeah. it's, it's nice. You can rely, you can count on those girls and, and we're all in it together, that kind of thing. So it's, it's nice. Nice, nice. And so for those that are listening right now who, who you know, might not be familiar with sort of the format at the collegiate level there, you know, is it more so like you were saying, your individual scores, they all get amalgamated or are there certain tournaments where it's like Ryder Cup style where there's match play, there's, you know, alternate shots? There's more of that match play style Ryder Cup stuff. I think there's more tournaments like that in the States. There's just more tournaments, period, in the States Mm -hmm. just because you know, there's better water down south, um, that kind of thing. But um, for us, our tournaments, um, we would have to squeeze in a lot of them in the fall, in the spring. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of like <laughs> going to middle of nowhere, Ontario, one weekend, and then the other side of Ontario, the next. And then if you make it to the nationals, you're flying to BC last minute. So it's crazy. But but these tournaments, so you play usually for the um, just regular. Um, rounds before provincials just the kind of invitationals from the other schools those tournaments it's usually two rounds um and you would for the girls um you would play um for an individual position as well as a team um like your team score so usually they would take um three out of four of the scores of your of the girls playing on your team so if someone has a bad day it's okay (laughs) um and then for provincials you'd do three rounds and they'd pick again best three out of four scores and then if you make it to nationals it's four rounds and the same thing i believe it's been a little bit of time but i think it was four days yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. been a while since i've i've uh i've done that yeah. i wish i was yeah. competitively like that but yeah. Right on. So, yeah, you know, uh, one person can blow up, but you can't have two people blow up if you want a good team score. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Nice. You're hoping you, once you, if you make like a triple out there, you're having a bad day. You're like, oh man, I hope they're they're doing well right now because I'm certainly am not contributing much right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And like you said, the 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 glories of living in Canada there is you're so seasonally dependent there, where it's not like you're down in Arizona State where you can golf 360 out of 365 days exactly. a year. Right? Yeah, and even even the schools out west, like University of Victoria or the colleges out there, um, they can play year round most mostly. So usually so we do when you're in college you have um the canadian college athletic association nationals so the ccaa's but then if you place top two at those um you can qualify for the golf canada national championships which is the university college national championships so that's really cool that the university students can't compete in the college ones but we have two opportunities at becoming national champions which i thought was great so 
the college championships are in the fall, but the university ones are in the spring. So it's tough because you have to, and they're early in the spring. So you kind of go into nationals um, super cold, like you're just coming off of winter, right? So those schools out West, they're so lucky that they can, you know, practice all winter long pretty much outside and then come in and they're always like top contenders and <laughs> every year. So yeah. not fair at all about it, but. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's only, only so much you can do hitting inside a dome. Eh? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So now outside of, you know, your, your, your collegiate level career, you're also, you've also been competing, you know, in local tournaments and, mm-hmm. um, you know, you've, you've won six consecutive club championships at the Royal. And so yeah. you're, you're a fairly accomplished individual golfer as well, too. Mm-hmm. Now, when you're, you know, approaching a, 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 an, an individual event, is your mindset any different than when you're sort of approaching a team event or is it fairly similar across the board, regardless of what event it is? I'd say it's pretty similar. Um, like I've, I've had some, um, uh, sports psychology, um, like tra- like, I guess training, um, and sessions. Humber had uh, sports psychologists for us, which was really cool. And I have a friend who, also is, is a sports psychologist. So I used to be a mental case on the golf course. Um, and I would get so nervous. And, you know, if I blew up, I would, I couldn't be able to recover and that kind of thing. So I kind of have the same game plan going into every competitive round I play, um, just to try and maintain the same level um, throughout the whole, the whole round. So um, I know that golfers have, um, were pretty like, uh, what's the word um oh, i can't even think of the word um like when like bad good and bad juju you know yeah. like we yeah. have uh what's the word like Sidney crosby wears the same jock for every game <laughs> that kind of yeah. thing yeah that's the word i'm looking for um anyway so like golf is all about routine so i was kind of go in making sure that i have the same you know, pre-game routine, post-game, the night before I do the same stuff. Um, but uh, it's good. I try and maintain the same. Nice, nice. So, I, I mean, you, you, you kind of touched on it with that answer there, but obviously when you're competing at sort of the elite levels of mm-hmm. golf there, everyone's got the basic swing mechanics down, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, a, a lot of what separates, you know, the, the people who win a tournament versus those who, as you say, blow up on the course and have a meltdown is, is the mental side of the game, right? Yeah. Is there any, you know, tip or trick that, that you've been either taught or you picked up over the years um, that you use constantly especially in you know let's say you're coming down the 16th fairway and you're trying to hold on to a one-stroke lead there is there whether it's visualization or self-talk or anything that you've really relied on over the years yeah so like you said visualize visualization and self-talk are huge in golf um well any sport really but um i think for me i get in my head a lot so i start if i'm playing really well and because I was, I always have however many over or under par I am in my head going throughout the whole round. So I'll say like, oh, if I if I make a bogey, I'm like, okay, well, in the next hole, I can, you know, just make a birdie there. And then if I get a birdie there, then I'll be even on the front. And then I can probably go a little, like, have a couple more birdies on the back nine. Like, I just get way too ahead of myself. And I just always have to kind of block that kind of those thoughts in my head. So um, I just kind of 
yeah, try and stay in the now. That's kind of what helps me the most. So instead of thinking about, you know, making a par or trying to make a birdie, just say like, if you're on the tee box, you say, okay, I'm just going to put this in the middle of the fairway. Not even going to think about anything after that shot. And then once it's in the middle of the fairway, if I, if I hit the fairway, then I'll go and say, okay, middle of the green, middle of the green is perfect. And then if I hit the middle of the green, then I'm like, okay, let's just try and cozy it next to the hole. If it goes in perfect, you know, so it, you always have to do it one shot at a time, never get ahead of yourself because then you're just going to collapse and, and then you start getting disappointed if you have this plan to, you know, yeah, it's, it's bad. But again, and visualization is huge. I find that really helps, um, especially with golf, because, you know, when you hit the ball, you can, if you know how to shape shots, you can try and picture hit yourself hitting a really nice draw, high loopy draw, that kind of thing. So, um, and then if you actually do it after you visualize, it's the best feeling in the world. So especially for putting too. I think that's really important, um, trying to picture that ball rolling on the exact line that you picked after reading the green, and then, you know, seeing that ball actually doing that is pretty good feeling. Yeah, yeah, and as someone who's suffered many a meltdown on the course over the years, there, yeah. Oh man, <laughs> yeah, I've had I've had some some big collapses in my in my day, so we can yeah. we can get into that if you want. But. <laughs> um well I, I i mean you know when when you are gearing up for a competition though right it, it's there, there's certain things that you're going to dial in a little bit more than, than mm -hmm. other things and for for the most part the sort of stock answer is oh yeah i'm always dialing in my short game when i'm gearing up for a competition and that mm -hmm. but sort of deeper diving that are there any specific drills that you do leading up to a competition to really make sure that you know every aspect of your game is sort of dialed in as much as it can be? Yeah, so if you, one of the things that um, my coaches had me do when I was at Humber is um, before going to a tournament, you can you go to the driving range and if you know the course you're playing, um, like go through, pretend like you're playing that golf course on the driving range. So um, like if you, like I would go and kind of Google each hole, like usually golf courses online, they have descriptions and pictures and layouts and whatever. So I'd go and, you know, say like number one, par four, it's a little bit of a dog leg to the right. So I'd want to, you know, hit my driver. So I'd try and like maybe do a, try and hit a cut and then say, if you hit it really well, right in the middle of the fairway, I have, you know, say 120 yards in, then you try and work through that. And then if you, one of your shots goes, you know, you kind of duff it or whatever, it doesn't go on target, you can practice, you can pretend like you're chipping and that kind of thing. So I find that really helps. So you can try and visualize the golf course before you even, before you're even there. So that kind of just mentally prepares you for what you're about to go, because, sorry, what you're about to go and play. Because, um, you know, when you are standing on that first tee, you know, they will announce your and whatever and people are watching no one really cares when they're watching it's the other players freaking out about their own game too but so you're just standing on that tee if you kind of know what to expect um and you're prepared in that way it makes things a lot easier but again for drills like dialing in your short game is pretty important right drive for show putt for dough is what lots of people say so i like to practice a lot of putting um and not even like it's i practice i'll do a lot of lag putting um practice to get a feel for the greens like that the day of the golf tournament um 
always need to practice on those greens. Um, and then I got really nervous over, you know, the like five to six footers. So I try and practice a lot of those at different, uh, with different breaks. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, th those are the ones, especially where when you're out for a round with your friends, you know, these, these little three footers, you're picking those up. Ah, oh, that's a gimme. Oh, yeah. You can have that. Right. In a tournament though. Me knockers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. So, you know, when, when you do feel sort of those nerves setting in, right, is, is there anything that you do to just, you know, steady yourself? Like, do you pull a happy Gilmore and you, you go to your happy place and that in your head? Or? <laughs> sort of. <laughs> yeah, I think breathing is really important. It helps calm me down for sure. Um, almost like doing like a meditative breathing routine just to try and really slow your heart rate down because golfing is really hard when you are when your heart's racing and you're no you know like breathing really shallow and hard so you need to calm yourself down so again like pre-round sometimes I would if I was really nervous I'd listen to music too um on the putting green just so I'm because you know I'd get distracted listening to other people talk about their game or something like that like you want to kind of shut out everything and kind of get in the zone you know um but uh one of my, the sports psychologists that we used to work with, she always said too, if you're going to listen to music before a round, make sure that it's the most positive music you can listen to. Like, even if it's an upbeat song, it could still have negative lyrics. So avoid all that. And I found that actually really worked. And then if I had, you know, a good positive song playing in my warm up, that would usually be stuck in my head for the round. Yeah. And then, uh, so you're just kind of positive through the whole thing. So once yeah. you get down, it's hard to get get back up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. When you're when you're mentally in the dumps, the last thing you need is a depressing song running through your head as well. Too. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Um, so you know, there, there's obviously you know different sort of levels to golf. You know, what you would be working on to shave those last you know super hard strokes to get off your score are vastly different than what the weekend warrior who's trying to you know break 100 for the first time would be working. Yeah. But yeah for a second here because most people fall into the latter category than the former there is there any one thing that you see happen again and again and whether it's swing mechanics or you know mentally or just even their approach to something that you see amateur golfers making mistake wise that it's like that's such an easy fix if you would only blank like is, is there one sort of go-to thing that you see pop up just so often with those you know weekend warriors who ha only get out you know maybe 10-15 times a year yeah um there are a few things so it's always you know like take it back to the basics so um and this is even with me too so if I start you know hitting this like week I, I really don't like it when I hit this like high week fade so if the ball goes like high into the right and that's kind of what happens if I stop kind of focusing on what I'm doing. Um, so, and this is the same thing for beginners or those weekend warriors. So I just step back and I take a look at my grip, my alignment and my stance. So those are the like three basics, you know, of golf. You have to get those down so you can, you know, manage to hit the ball. So um, with grip, just make sure you're not doing something wacky. Everybody kind of has a different preferred grip. So, I won't, you know, go into that, but with um, stance, I would say that um, a lot of the times when I'm having issues, sometimes the ball's a little bit too far back in my stance and I don't realize. So, you know, I just 
take a look before I hit the ball. I take a look like, where's the ball in my stance? If I'm hitting a drive, is it too far forward? Or is it like too much inside of my left foot there? You know, so just make sure that the ball is in the right place there before you even start. Cause sometimes just, even if it's, you know, a couple centimeters off, that can make a big difference. Um, and then with alignment too, sometimes my shoulders won't be square to my target. Some like, things can happen like that that you don't even really notice you're doing and you, you think it's something and you're swaying like you're off plane or whatever but um just make sure that your feet your hips and your shoulders are all square and aligned with each other towards where you want the ball to go and I think usually when that happens it's good it uh like if that gets out of whack then things can go horribly wrong <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, suddenly yeah. you're looking for your ball in the woods every single hole there <laughs> exactly so usually it's a lot less complicated unless you're you've got a wacky swing but if you you know know how to golf and you've done it for a long time and then things go horribly wrong it's usually something really simple and then you you find it and you're like man that was so easy so yeah, yeah. yeah. and you know i i mean there's ten thousand, you know different gizmos, gadgets, tools, you know, the, the latest and greatest, all that, this will instantly fix your swing and da, 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 and probably, so, I mean, there, there's 10,000 different tools and gizmos and gadgets out there, and, you know, the bulk of them really don't do too much for the average Joe, right, but there, there are some that definitely work, so in, in your own training or anything, has there been something, whether it's a swing aid or, uh, some something that you've sort of added to your, your your practices that has actually had some beneficial beneficial you know uh, tangible results for you yeah definitely so i um again super simple stuff um one thing that our coaches had us do at humber for putting um is uh putting on a meter stick so um i would i went out to like home hardware bought a meter stick um one of the metal ones and you just start your ball on there's always a little hole at the end of it for i guess hanging it up on a wall put your ball in the little hole so it can stay there and then just practice like a smooth stroke and if you if the ball you can get the ball to roll all the way down the meter stick you can put a little cup at the end of it and into the cup then just that's a perfect stroke so and it's a lot harder than it sounds because if your putter face is you know off by a degree half a degree it's gonna come right off that meter stick. So it really encourages you to have um, like perfect square impact, um, which, is, which is really hard to obtain. Um, so when my putting's off, you know, I try and do that. I try and get, you know, 10 in a row would be really good. Um, Cause it's, it's, again, it's really hard. So, um, and it's super cheap. You can do it at home. You can do it on, a, on the golf course or at the, on the practice screen. Just make sure you're putting it on a flat surface or else, you're a goner. Um, but that was really helpful for me for, again, and developing a really confident putting stroke is important. So that really helps that. Um, and it's, uh, it's really satisfying. And with the metal meter stick, the material of the ball rolling on it, it makes a really satisfying noise too when it, <laughs> when, uh, when you get it all the way down there. So that's one. Um, another one, there's these cool, um, uh, they're called speed sticks. Um, and it's for increasing your club head speed so you hit the ball faster. And they're just weighted. Um, it's like a golf, it looks like a golf club without a head on the end of it, and they're weighted. And uh, there are drills you can do with them, and it really adds distance to your game. So it, it gives you 
um, certain drills to do, I think like weekly little like workouts. So you, you swing them a certain amount of times a certain way. And then you swing them. If you're right-handed, you swing it right-handed and then always um, they get you to swing it left-handed as well. Um, and it adds a lot of distance to your game, which is pretty cool. Nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, go go figure. It's always the the, the little things in golf. That, uh, it's a sport that sounds so easy, but then it's something yeah. off by that much, and suddenly things are going wrong and sideways in a hurry. Exactly. Yeah, and another thing, these are really simple too. Like I don't, I've I've never really um, purchased any of those, you know, um, like special tools on you know if you watch golf channel you see like a hundred ads for all these crazy things i've never been one to to try those but i like the basics like getting alignment sticks having those in your golf bag so you can again if one of those things if your alignment's off it's really easy to just put an alignment stick on the ground at your feet to make sure you're square that kind of thing and then you can also use them in different ways you can stick them in the ground standing up to help with you know your club path so if you want to have a certain backswing if, if you're like coming up too much in front or swinging around behind you, you can put an alignment stick, um, like just sticking in the ground, make sure you don't touch it on your backswing. So really simple things like that. Um, they make difference and they're cheap. So it's nice. You don't have to buy an expensive, fancy golf thing. That's never going to work. So <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cheap, cheap is good. Everyone, I think everyone yeah. likes cheap solutions. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you know, part of your, you know, professional actual work now is you, you work at the Ottawa Hunt Club, you're, you're in membership sales and services and all that there. Are there any sort of trends that you're noticing within the last couple of years? You know, are memberships going up? Are they decreasing? Are more women playing? Are more juniors playing? Anything like that that you can point to? Yeah, so um, the golf industry has been kind of struggling for the last couple of years. I think that's pretty uh, obvious to some people but um, I think high-end private clubs are doing really well so I think the kind of middle middle of the ground golf clubs aren't aren't doing very well but I know that the Royals doing really well the Ottawa Hunt Club's doing very well um, and then other you know private clubs in, in the GTA I know they're all kind of doing doing very well but we're doing well because we've had to adapt to the changing, you know, environment. So um, we're adding new services that weren't traditionally seen at golf courses, you know, like people want fitness facilities at their golf club. They want more social stuff, uh, more family friendly things, you know, so golf clubs where, you know, the men go into the club without their kids, getting away from the family for a little bit. So now we're trying to make it more of an inclusive environment for everybody. So that I think is, is what's working and, but there needs to be more done as well. I mean, in Ottawa, we're behind the, the Toronto golf scene, just um, in terms of, you know, our clubs don't really have room for fitness facilities and that kind of thing. And there's clubs in Toronto and you'll see this in the States and Florida, like there's pools and full, you know, tennis courts and that, that kind of thing. So we're trying to work towards that here in Ottawa, but it's a little bit more difficult just with space and money and that kind of thing. But that's the direction that things are going. People want their club to be, um, you know, somewhere where you can bring the kids all day, you know, play golf, have lunch, go for a swim, work out, do yoga class, that kind of thing. So, and even have a spa there. I know there's, there's clubs in Toronto with barbershops in the locker room and that kind of thing. So, and um, you want to make it a one-stop shop for kind of the day and keep people there 
spend their money. <laughs> yeah. 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 But it also like with uh, just expanding more on your question. Um, so we are seeing more junior junior golfers golfing, um, which is great because again, you know, kids are the future, that kind of thing. Um, the golf industry is going to die if we don't have kids learning how to golf, right? So um, clubs are making a big effort to have really good junior programming um, nowadays. Again, it's difficult with COVID, but um, but we're trying to develop um, golf camps and you know junior clinics and then like um, you know parent-child tournaments that kind of thing just to encourage the whole family to get out. Um, and I'm seeing a lot more girls signing up, which is really nice because. My, when I grew up playing golf, I was like one of the only few. There were maybe three girls playing at the Royal when we were kids. And it's really hard to, you know, get into something when you don't have too many friends playing with you. So got to get more girls out there. Um, I know Brooke Henderson is doing really, really good things for women and girls in golf. So that's helping a lot, which is great. Yeah. No, absolutely. And, you know, you, you touched on such a key point there, right, is, you know, you, in order for the sport to continue to not only survive, but continue to thrive is you need, you know, more kids coming up through the ranks and more people just just playing at, at that base of the pyramid as sort of they funnel up to those elite levels there, right? So do you think there's any whether it's a magic bullet or, you know, one or two things that need to change in the upcoming years to make it more accessible, not only maybe financially, but also just, you know, making kids feel comfortable out on the course where some of these places do maybe have, you know, the, not necessarily a reputation, but sort of that, that old school imagery of, you know, it is an old boys club and this is where old men go to play. Right. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, just having more family-friendly, um, you know, aspects to your club. So maybe making Sunday afternoons um, on your tee sheet designated to juniors so, so that they can go out and not feel pressured from the adults, you know. Um, there's still a lot of those, you know, old boys club men out there who don't want to see any juniors at golf clubs. So if we designate a certain time where it's like only juniors, that could be really helpful. Um, I know that to make golf more accessible, not only to just the juniors, um, a lot of clubs are considering, instead of it being 18 holes per round, you know, make it 12 holes so that it doesn't take up so much time because it is a very time consuming game, right? You know, four hours to play 18 holes, you wanna go warm up, you might have a drink after dinner. It's like a whole day affair. So if you make it 12 holes, you know, you can go from the office, play 12 holes, be in time, be home in time for dinner, that kind of thing, depending on what time you play. But again, kind of switching up the traditional side of things um, and making it just more accessible. And again, you said price, I guess, changing the cost of things would be huge, but golf is an expensive sport. And um, if you want, it's, it's, it's expensive to play, but it's expensive to, you know, run a facility. So if you want to play a nice golf course, you got to play, you got to pay the big bucks to do so. But yeah, there's, no. there's lots of opportunities. I mean, there's other courses that are great, that are a great price, but it's tough to look, to make it cheaper and then still keep that same, you know, golf feel. 
Yeah. Yeah. At the end of the day, they got bills to pay just like the rest of us, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, wh- where can people find you or learn more about, you know, whether it's the Royal Ottawa or the Hunt Club or even just the work that you're doing there? Where can people reach out to you? Yeah, so um, you can find me on, you know, Facebook, Instagram, that kind of thing. Um, the, I'm on the uh, Ottawa Hunt Club website, so it's ottawahuntclub.org. Um, I'm in there, so I do the membership sales there, so if you kind of click through our um, membership page. You can find my email there. Um, but yeah, you can find me. Social media is probably the best best way to, to reach me if you have any questions or if you want to, you know, join the hunt club, <laughs> you can reach out to me. Um, yeah, social media awesome. is probably best. Yeah. yeah, right on. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down with us today and, you know, share tips and tricks. And uh, yeah, hope, hopefully someone can take something away from this and maybe shave a, a stroke or two or 20 off their game and <laughs> go <Yeah>. from there. <laughs> yeah, there's so many, so many great, uh, you know, drills and stuff on YouTube. Such a great um, resource to have for golf. Yeah. Always find the simple ones. Simple is best. Simple is best. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks so much, Sheila. And best of luck with the rest of this year and whatever sort of curveballs COVID still has in store for us there. Me too. And that's a wrap for another episode of the Dinesports YouTube page and podcast network. Huge thank you goes out to Sheila McKean for joining us today and sharing her journey in golf and uh, as well as some tips and tricks, not only for the amateur players, but also uh, those who are looking to uh, shave a stroke or two off their game. Definitely some tangible stuff and uh, even some drills that you can be working on at home that don't uh, don't require a lot of uh, expensive gizmos or gadgets or anything like that. As always, if you like what you see, make sure you like, comment, share, subscribe. Uh, we've also got various social media platforms as well. We'd love to connect with you guys on there. So be sure to check those out. We've got some more great guests coming up soon. So uh, be sure to stick around and uh, hope you guys had a great Canada day.